0: and in As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination, and in godly things.
1: If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh oh. Uh oh.
0: Erin Addisons
1: on American Family Radio. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki, and I'm Will, and uh, J Mac and Sherry B are also on tap to uh, help us navigate the show today. We will not be taking calls because we do have a guest joining us. I'm pretty excited. We're gonna be talking to Jay Warner Wallace about mm-hmm. his newest book, Person of Interest. Yes. And um let me just tell you already, okay, I began reading it. I'm uh-huh. not done. And it was one of those things, and I'm I'm gonna tell Jim this when he's on with us, okay? So I was already reading a book. I was already reading Uh-oh. a book, okay. <laughs> and then I was like, Oh, that's right, we're gonna be talking to Jim about his newest book. But so you're I almost was almost like,
0: finished the other book, right? Well, I finished that book. Oh, okay. And I started another book. Oh, okay. Okay. So that's not that's not okay. Yeah. It's not as bad. It's not as bad. I was like, man, you're at the end of this book and you're gonna <laughs>
1: Oh no, no no no. Yeah. No, no, no. My yeah. yeah, I had to finish. But no, so I was I was on to the next book. Gotcha. And that's that's one of the rules that I have for not only myself but for the kids that when I ask them what they're reading, mm-hmm. they should always have a book that they're reading. They should mm-hmm. always be able to tell me a book that they are reading, whether they're finishing it up or whatever. They should always be able to tell me that. And so anyway, here's the point that I'm making. Uh, I usually queue up books. Mm-hmm. You know it, right? You go, okay, I'm going to read this after when I'm done. So I started reading, big mistake, I started reading <laughs> Person of Interest.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Oh, it is so good. Uh-huh. I just, I had to, t- I had to make myself, I really did. I had to say, okay, you know what? Um, I'm, I'm, I need to, I need, I got some other things I got to do. Right. Um, it is so well done and and it is a page turner if I could just tell you that. And it's of course it it kind of um brings together a lot of things that we as humans love but especially mm-hmm. we as Christians, right? Okay. So you've you've got a cold case mm-hmm. being discussed, okay? And it's being tied into investigating the relevance of Jesus. So you've got a a no body investigation.
0: Mm. There's
1: not a body, mm-hmm. but OK, right. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant. All right. It's brilliant. It is so good. I just I got to tell you, I was talking to the kids about it, too, this morning. And so then uh, J.D. asked if he could read it next. And then Mariah asked. So I might just make them write me a report hey, uh, to determine who gets to read it next. <laughs> and I'll, I'll pick and based on the yeah, better report, write a
0: report afterwards. Uh, you I'll know, anyways. Well. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: so anyway, it's really good. And I cannot wait to talk to Jim about it because I love sharing great books with our listeners, mm-hmm. and um, and I'm, I'm super excited about this. This is one of those things that uh, you're going to walk away feeling um, more encouraged. Like, we're already encouraged, right? We have hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. But it's amazing how much we um, overlook and we're not aware of um, the evidence for our faith. Mm-hmm. And even, and this is something I want to drill down on as we talk to Jim today, the timing of the appearing of Christ. Mm. Why? Why did he come when he did? Why didn't he come sooner? Why didn't he come later? And and all of these things he covers in the book. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. It's okay. so, so good. It, I mean, it, it's got history in there. It's got languages and, and writing and all of these things that just, um. anyway, I can't wait to talk to Jim about it. I'm really excited about that. So, so that's coming up later in the show. The book is Person of Interest, uh, J. Warner Wallace, Why Jesus Still Matters in a World that Rejects the Bible. Mm. If you can believe it, if you can believe it, he, um, he makes his case for Jesus as a person of interest without using the scriptures. Okay. His point is that there's so much evidence without the use of the scriptures, there's so much evidence yeah. that points to the relevance of Jesus Christ and why we need to care about who he is that you can get all of that information before you crack open your Bible. Wow. It's it's amazing. It's amazing. So anyway, <laughs> I'm a geek and I admit it. Okay, but I love stuff like that. I get really excited about it. All right, so so that's coming up. Um, hey, here's what I want to do though in this mm-hmm. segment before we um, get the chance to talk to Jim. Um, we've been talking about church attendance yes. and we've been talking about gathering together. I think it may be better if we say gathering together, the gathering of the body of Christ. Yes. And I really kind of want to um, stay here a little bit if we can. Yeah. You um, had the opportunity to minister at our local fellowship yesterday. And I was just so struck by your presentation. I'm hoping, I don't know if you're gonna share a little bit of that uh, on this Wednesday with Will. I don't know, <laughs> I, I would tune in just to hear it again. Um, but I was so struck by it and how much um, the Lord has graciously given us Amen. in the fellowship of the believers. Mm. Like, Like there's something that God has woven into Mm -hmm. our gathering Mm -hmm. that it is not optional. And as we were talking about this last week, and then as I listened to you uh, ministering this, well, something similar to this, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. But about the importance of the body, I was just, man, it is so much bigger than, um, do we feel like going? Does it matter? You know, have they lifted restrictions? It's so much bigger than that.
0: Right? Yeah. It's necessary. And, you know, one of the the points uh, that I was making yesterday was we find hope in the gathering of the believers. Amen. That That's hope that, that we find there because we come together in the name of, of Jesus and we're deriving strength with spiritual gifts are in, at use. You know, uh, man, we're gaining uh, encouragement. And so two of my examples uh, had to do with Peter. Yeah. And how, how Peter and John, after they were threatened. You know, they immediately went back to their companions, yeah. you know, where they prayed and the house was shaking and all that yes. stuff. But they went back to the the fellowship, you know, they went back to the gathering. Yep. You know, and when Peter, when the angel of the Lord um, released him from prison, mm-hmm. immediately when he when he realized what was happening, he went to Mary's house, yeah. the mother of John, yeah. you know, and they were praying mm-hmm. back to the the gathering spot. And I, I was saying how there are things happening in our world today where we're going to have to know where to go. We're going to have to know, you know, what spot to go to, to to get that strength, that boldness, that Mm -hmm. prayer. And so it's important that we gather together as the people of God.
1: You know, I think there's one of the things that um, you were talking about yesterday and you pulled from an article to make this point. Mm -hmm. And again, it's so interesting to me that we read things like you, you read maybe the science behind something, um, but then as so often happens, you read the science behind it. Mm -hmm. And if you're in the Lord, you're like, oh wait, God already said that. Mm -hmm. Like he, he actually already beat them (laughs) to the empirical data. You know what I mean? Like they, they have the science now, but before the science, God already said this. Mm -hmm. And so that means that for those of us who adhere to it, Mm -hmm. we've already been the recipients of this grace, this mercy, which when, after you read the science, you go, oh, Turns out it's not just a coincidence.
0: (laughs) We have a wise God.
1: Amen. You you know,
0: he's wise. And, you know, some of the things that we find out in stats and research. Yep. We're like, man, the Bible has already said that this is true and that this is helpful. And one of those things is the gathering of the believer.
1: Amen. Amen. And so one of the things that you pointed to were the health benefits um, that, according to this one article here, Mm -hmm. religious participation strongly promotes health, and wellness. And so I kind of <laughs> yeah. wanted to share just a little bit from this. Yeah. Like, it's I mean, we know this, right? Mm-hmm. And, and kind of just to toggle it in because I thought it was just fascinating. Um, Americans' growing dissatisfaction with organized religion isn't just bad news for churches. It also represents a public health crisis, this article says, mm-hmm. uh, one that has been largely ignored but the effects of which are likely to increase in coming years. Of course, the point of the gospel, and I love that this is included. There's two authors of this. I'll, I'll tell you about it later. Uh, of course, the point of the gospel is not to lower your blood pressure, but to know and love God as you are known and loved by him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have to distinguish between the imperfect flourishing that is possible in this life and the perfect happiness and joy that is made full in the life to come. But then the article goes on, the public health benefits of church attendance. And then um, for a point of reference, it says, consider how it appears to affect the health of healthcare professionals, how church attendance affects the health of healthcare professionals. Mm-hmm. So here we go. Medical workers who said they attended religious services frequently frequently were 29% less likely to become depressed, about 50% less likely to divorce and 5 times less likely to commit suicide than those who never attended. And in perhaps the most striking finding of all, healthcare professionals who attended services weekly were 33% less likely to die during a 16-year follow-up period. 16-year follow-up period than people who never attended. These effects are of big concern, a big enough magnitude to make a practical difference and not just a statistical difference. Mm. So I was looking at this, and as I was reading it, I was thinking, I was like, you know, when you read in the book of Hebrews, Mm. there's no daylight between the admonition and it's sort of being linked to the encouraging health effects that gathering together mm-hmm. as believers provides for us. Mm-hmm. So in Hebrews chapter 10, mm-hmm. and we're familiar with this, I'll start at verse 23. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And, mm-hmm. and, it's like one <laughs> breath here. And, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day, capital D, Mm -hmm. drawing near. So I was thinking about this in light of what I was reading in this article that you sent. This is fascinating to me that you've got actual scientific data Mm -hmm. to strongly show That people who gather together with other believers Mm. are more encouraged. Amen. They have less anxiety. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah.
0: (laughs) Right. I mean, of course. Because
1: think about it. Look, if I, I mean, guys, and I, you know, excuse (laughs) me, I get a little amped, right? I'm thinking about the things that we are facing in this country right now. Yeah and we're talking about these things right now yeah. and there are some people who are being pressed in hard mm-hmm. on all sides making
0: heavy decisions okay and and stressed out think you know? about that what yeah. is
1: what is the difference like let's just think practically here for a second and mm-hmm. then again to toggle back to yeah. our immortal invisible god only wise mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. <laughs> all right think about this i'm making these tough decisions i i don't know what to do and i'm alone mm. i'm making these tough decisions I don't know what to do, but I have the encouragement and the comfort of the bride.
0: I have the body of Christ
1: surrounding me. I have people who are standing next to me and saying, you know what? I'm not going through that, Mm. but because you're my sister, Mm. I am going through that. I am with you. There is something different about that. And The thing I've been thinking about is that the enemy has robbed the church of this blessing, Mm. robbed the church of this benefit. Because the enemy has reduced the gathering of the believers to just hearing a sermon. To, and,
0: yeah, just attending, you know, where there's no uh, relationships being formed. There's no real koinonia, no real, you know, ministering to one another. The mm-hmm. the one another's are not happening. Yes. It's just check in. I've been to service. Let me go ahead and, and go home or go out to eat. Where where the way that God has set this up is a family. Yeah. And that we love one another. We bear each other's burdens. Yep. And all these things come into play. We pray For one another, when these hard times come up, you know, well, in the family of God, you have brothers and sisters who can take on that burden and help you with it. Yeah. And and the enemy loves to rob of that. And we have this coronavirus thing happening in where churches have been shut down and, you know, stuff like that. It makes it even worse, you know, because now you have it to where some people have transitioned in their mind where I can just watch church Mm -hmm. on video on, on, on the screen. And that's not the same. You don't get the effects of being in fellowship with other believers.
1: Yeah. And you know, and the reality of it is that there is honesty and you know, people expressing that they've been hurt in church, that they have experienced some maybe emotional setbacks because of other people. Um, That's real. But Mm -hmm. when you take into consideration, the big picture here that even in those things, there's a certain enduring Mm -hmm. that um, sanctifies us. It helps us to grow in godliness and holiness. And and one of the things that I have found is that if a person is prone to retreat, like as a habit, or a person is prone to go somewhere else, do something, I don't have to take that. They really do miss out on that refining that happens in the body of Christ. We're better together. Amen. I hate that that sounds like. (laughs) We're not building back together. I'm sorry, y'all. I hate that that sounds like a liberal slogan. (laughs) We're better together. (laughs) I'm so sorry for anyone that that triggered. Let me just say, though, it is true. Okay. And God designed it that way. That is not a political slogan. Right. That is a spiritual one. We really do function better in the context of the body of Christ. We are shaped by one another. We are strengthened and encouraged. Listen, even as the iron sharpens iron and Mm. the sparks fly, Mm
0: -hmm. we're Mm -hmm. still sharpened. Amen. The sparks may fly. Get out of the way. Amen. But we
1: are still sharpened. Oh, man. God is infinitely wise. <laughs> yes. Like, there's no end to his wisdom. Amen. All right. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll grab the break and be right back with Jay Warner Wallace. Stay right there.
0: Here at the...
1: Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Really do appreciate you listening. I'm Miki.
0: And I'm Will, and that's Kim Walker Smith with just one touch.
1: And uh, I am so excited. We've got Jay Warner Wallace on with us. I I listen, Jim.
0: It's been a minute.
1: Listen, I'm excited, okay? And (laughs) I should give you a proper introduction. So if if this is is the first time that people are hearing us talk to Jay Warner Wallace, Mm -hmm. let me just make sure that people understand that he is amazing. Yes the end.
2: Well, you're way too kind. Well, <laughs> I wish, wish, wish some part of that was actually true. Well, oh, listen. Man, right. come on. No, I
1: I just want to say that we have appreciated you so much just personally in our family the, yes. with the growth and development of our kids as they've read your books and, and had the opportunity to meet you in person. So you have like a personal mark on our family. But I will say that for the nation, you are like the foremost <laughs> cold case homicide detective and senior fellow at the Colson Center for Christian worldview. You also are a popular national speaker and prolific writer mm-hmm. and dynamic, dynamic communicator of the truths of God's word Amen. in a way that's so relevant and just on the bottom shelf for all of us. And let me just say that your newest book here, uh, "Person of Interest," has already become like a bully. Um, it's pushed my other book out of the queue, <laughs> and I'm now, <laughs> I'm now reading this book, Jim, and 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 I am enjoying it. Thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Well, I'm just glad that I still have pictures of I think J. d and I are yeah. on my Instagram account, so I'm just glad that I got a chance to meet your whole family and mm-hmm. what you were talking about well before the break about um, both of you were talking about you I guess you forwarded that article to to Mickey but But the idea that that um we, we don't I think as we get under pressure as a church, right mm-hmm. That's why you see in countries where Christianity is really oppressed and really mm-hmm. kind of it forces us into um, to, to kind of almost into hiding with each other and that's when these deep mm. relationships start to emerge right because mm. we mm. we we cannot we're not it's no, we're no longer popular we no longer can communicate uh, across like you know the social media without condemnation mm-hmm. when we finally are back down into meeting in small homes and <laughs> uh, secretly yeah. then you see Christianity just blow up and yes. i think the reason why it does which is what, exactly what you're saying is that we then get to uh, finally we're forced to have the kinds of relationships that God designed for us to have, so it's. Yeah. Hard, I think it is hard for us to keep those across the country, right? But we try. Yeah. But there's yeah. no, there's no, there's no um, substitution for the in-person, physical. Um, relationships that are, are where, where we really are dependent on each other yeah, I mean, yeah. that's the thing I we're, we're so autonomous that we can be in the same building every week we can spend hours in the same building yet not feel like we really mm-hmm. need each other mm, right so and true. that's I think a bigger challenge you know, Yeah, yeah and that's yeah.
1: unfortunate you know Jim I think it'd be great for you to remind our listeners of your testimony which I think would be the question why did you um, begin to investigate Jesus how did you come to faith
2: Yeah. I was not, uh, I was here in Los Angeles County. So I I was born and raised here and and not, I still, you know, i worked here my whole, my whole career. And, and I was not somebody who was exposed to many believers. Um, even growing up, we often wondered after we became Christians, you know, why didn't anyone like, but why didn't we hear about this earlier? Why didn't we have any contact with Christians who invited us to church earlier, but it's not unusual when you're in this kind of big, horizontal metropolitan area. It's not very dense. It's just spread out all over the place. And, uh, we just didn't have any contact, and but Susie mm-hmm. was interested. She was more interested than I was. Um, so we ended up going to a church. When I was about thirty-five, I tried to avoid it for a number of years, and I was willing to go just because she wanted to go. And I was not, um, didn't think I needed to believe it was true in order to please Susie about this. I can be more, than, I could, I could fake it. You know, my dad had <laughs> been doing that for years with his second wife, so, so I kind of knew it could be done. Um, but the pastor that first day at the church you know I'll never forget it because he talked about um, a bunch of stuff and the thing that stuck out in my head was that he said that Jesus was the smartest man who had ever lived yeah. and you know he's just trying to talk to you he was he definitely was the kind of pastor who was tr- re- trying to reach the unsaved in the group because that huge church was like an altar call or not an altar call but like a like a harvest every every week the potential was there you know and so yeah. he threw Jesus out in that way and that's why I bought a bible I bought it just to see if, if, if he really was the, you know, the most important person in the history of persons and the hmm. smart, smartest man who ever lived and all of this and started to kind of examine. I bought a Bible and started to read it and wanted to test it to see if it um, actually could be um, tested as a reliable eyewitness account. Then I, I knew how to do that because I'd done that for years as a detective. And uh, then I started looking at the other things you look at as a detective. You know, I work uh, cold cases were just unsolved murders, and they're unsolved because either there wasn't really much to begin with, and that's often the case, or mm-hmm. maybe there was stuff that was out there that people didn't think of as evidential. And but if you, you know, so if you just look at the, at the dominoes that fall, you might miss the fact that, you know, this domino when it falls, it causes like 20 others over there to fall. Mm-hmm. Have you looked over there? Because you you maybe you're just focused on the one domino chain, but you missed this thing over here. And that's kind of what we're trying to do in this latest book.
1: Yeah. And oh, you do it wonderfully. And and let me just say something. There is a um, there's an illustration that you use um as you begin in the preface of the book where you're talking about your testimony. And I'm wondering if you could talk around this just a little bit, because I think that this is something that we as Christians don't think about. Certainly Christians who have grown up in a maybe devout Christian context, you when you talk about or you talked about uh, thinking about Jesus or thinking about the relevance of God, you describe you know the fact that people don't spend time making decisions around like their thoughts about Bigfoot. And And right. when I read that line, I was like, oh man, that's brilliant because sometimes we think that people are hostile against what they believe. but really, people are just indifferent and maybe they're hostile because we are so adamant about something that we've not made a case for.
2: Yeah, if you think it is as, as silly as Bigfoot or, you know, um, Peter Pan or some other fictional character, if that's all you think Jesus is, is another, maybe it's the most important or more important fictional character. But but you're, you're not likely to order your life around those kinds of characters. And, and I wasn't willing to do other. I, I didn't really, you know, like my friend Lee Strobel, he, his wife... Um, Leslie became a Christian first. And then he kind of set out to prove she was wrong because he was upset with the fact that she had become a Christian. That wasn't my, we weren't Christians, neither one of us. And so I never felt, we never talked about it in 18 years together. We had never discussed issues like that at all. And and so when she thought, I thought, well, you just want to raise the kids with this because you think this is what good kids, you know, good kids come out of the church. So I'm willing to do that. But it was never a, a topic of conversation because I felt it was just so silly. Like there was no, no one's going to spend time trying to discover if, if, if uh, Peter Pan really lived. Mm -hmm. I mean, why would you do that? And and you're certainly not going to read Peter Pan so you can make a decision tomorrow. Um, So, so that's, (laughs) that's the kind of stuff that I thought this would, that category this would fall into. So I just needed to know is, is he the kind of person who I should pay attention to. And do we have any good reason to believe he's more than just the fictional um, character written out by, you know, uh, four gospel authors who want me to believe in this fictional character? And that's kind of what I had to go through. I had to kind of research this myself, investigate it myself before I could take a step of faith.
1: So let's talk about how you do that in the book, Person of Interest. I'm wondering if you can kind of maybe, without giving too much of the book away, because I, 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 I really feel like, it. you know, It may be a little bit difficult to interview you on this because so much of it I think our readers are going to want to read for themselves. So I'll do my best to be careful. But I want to begin with the Hayes investigation and how you begin with that and then the fuse and the fallout and what all of that means. Um, And I'm just kind of throwing all of this stuff at you. Jim, that yeah, you're just gonna no, have no problem. Okay, go ahead.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, this is the good thing about this book is it's highly visual, right? Yeah. So this is like a closing argument in front of a jury, and it's highly visual. So I, I can say a lot about the book, but until you see it, yeah, until you open the pages and see how it frames out, it's it's a visual argument as much as it is uh, written. Uh, story, you know, so, so what? What I typically try to explain to people is that I was not willing to get into the scriptures I, at first when I got the I, did, I bought a Bible, but I'm like still thinking this is like everybody else's scripture, something that some people believe, but I have no good reason to believe. Mm. But uh, if you're if you're someone like that, you know, could you make a case for Christianity even to people who won't open their Bible? Mm. I think you could. Now I, I compare this to a case. I've done a couple of these. Uh, Nobody murders, where you have a guy who kills his wife and then says that, you know, she got in a fight with him and she left and she never came back. And I have no idea where she went, you know? And, and of course, meanwhile, you've buried her someplace and you've gotten rid of the body somehow and you've, you've figured out a way to dispose of all the evidence and you just claim that she ran off. You move her car, you do all this stuff that makes it look like, like she ran away. And, and then years later, if we open these cases, and I usually get them about 20, 25, 30 years later, well, there's no, you know, no report was taken for a murder. It was taken as a missing person no photographs were taken there's no crime scene there's no evidence in a crime scene so when you make the case to the jury you gotta say okay look folks i don't have any evidence in the crime scene but i'm convinced that a bomb exploded on the day she vanished Mm. but all bombs have a fuse And I can demonstrate that the tensions were rising and that he did a bunch of stuff in preparation to do a murder. Mm -hmm. That's the fuse that was burning toward this explosion. And afterwards, there's going to be debris and fallout all over the crime scene, all over the the blast radius. And so from all of his fallout behavior afterwards, I'm going to demonstrate that he killed her. So in other words, I'm going to use the fuse and the fallout, even though I don't have the bomb. Well, could you use the fuse and fallout of history? Even if you refuse to read the bomb, we call the New Testament Mm. to determine what happened in the first century that caused us to call it the first century. Mm. And so what I do in this book is I just pretend I'm imagining a scenario in which every New Testament is destroyed. Could you still know anything about Jesus? And would the stuff you learn about Jesus and the impact he's had on history be would the best inference from all of that simply be that he is who he said he was? And that's what we're trying to do in this book. So we're trying to show the incredible Mm. impact that Jesus had on history and show you how his fingerprints, the story of Jesus can be recovered from this history in such a way that demonstrates that he's not a piece of fiction and he's not a mere mortal.
1: It's it's brilliant, Jim. Mm. Like it is. I I am enjoying it so much. In fact, I think I'm going to have like an essay write off because the kids are fighting over who gets to read it next. But I'm enjoying it so much. Oh, that's funny. So, so let me ask you to do this then. Um, give me sort of like a parallel. So do like um, an example of what would be a part of a fuse in like a cold case uh, investigation and then parallel that to what would be a part of the fuse in investigating Jesus.
2: Right. So for example, if you uh, if you see your suspect, their husband, number one, does he have a reason to get rid of her? So what are the tensions that are arising prior to the day she vanishes? Um, and you want to kind of trace that if you, if you think that, for example, um, he drove her out to the desert, uh, is he getting gas for a long trip the day before, <laughs> you know, mm, is, right. is he, is he, uh, buying a shovel at the whole local hardware store so he can start to dig a hole? Is he, you know, this are the kinds of things that people do in preparation to do something awful. If, mm. if he's going to shoot somebody, is he, is he buy a gun a month before the murder? You know, he lived his entire life. He's in his 30s and now suddenly decides to buy a gun, coincidentally, one month Mm -hmm. before a murder, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So you're looking for all of the aspects of what look like preparatory moves on the part of your suspect. Afterwards, in the fallout, you're looking for all the things that people do that they really shouldn't do unless they know that that, that they did something bad. So so do you find that, you know, now there's a, you know, uh, for example, this is very common. (laughs) You suddenly... Uh, he takes care of all of her clothing, all of her belongings. They're all just tossed out. Like like three days later, he's got the house emptied of her stuff. Mm-hmm. Now he might be so angry because she left him, but when he when he when he uh, first reports this, he reports this like everything's great. I love her. We're getting along great. She just hasn't come home, you know. And and then so then why would you move all of her stuff out? Yeah, mm-hmm. as if you don't ever expect her to come back. For all mm-hmm. you know, she could be back in a week. Mm-hmm. So why would you do that? Unless of course you know she's not coming back. And why would you change your, your will? Why would you change your, you know, why would you make certain phone calls Uh, or or you moved your girlfriend in a month later? Oh, really? Okay. So these (laughs) are the kinds of behaviors (laughs) that you see afterwards that kind of tell you, this is more than just a missing person. This looks like you knew she was going to be gone. You've done a number of things after the fact, maybe trying to destroy certain pieces of evidence you've thrown out certain things. And by the way, there's a bunch of cases out there right now, uh, but my the, the da who i worked with so um so faithfully for 20 years he just finished the robert durst case which is a guy yes. who killed his wife in new york city in 1981 i think it's a nobody murder
1: mm-hmm.
2: so, so now finally we're, we're, they just filed the case i think what two weeks ago uh on this 1981 <laughs> murder after john finally convicted him of killing one of the key witnesses in that murder in los angeles about a month ago mm. so we so how do you do that well it's all fuse and fallout this is how we make these cases in front of a jury. So I'm really um, comfortable taking that approach. And there's enough. Now, every time you finish these kinds of cases, your judge, your jury will say to you, "Man, I really wish." It was good, and I, I think he's guilty, and we rendered a verdict. We think he's guilty, but but it would have been so much easier if we would have had an eyewitness. Mm-hmm. Well, clearly we do have eyewitness accounts when it comes to Christianity. They're called the Gospels. Yes. Mm-hmm. So so you should, if you can make a nobody murder, and you can render a verdict in a nobody murder case using the fuse and the fallout, you can even do it easier with Jesus. But I just wanted to show people there's a bunch of hidden evidence in history that most of us don't consider, which I think are sufficient for you to conclude that Jesus is who he said he was.
1: Okay. So let's go, let's go back to that then. So you just gave several examples of the fuse and in, in say mm-hmm. a cold case uh, investigation. What examples do we have of the fuse as you are investigating Jesus?
2: So I think there's, so history aligns in a certain way that's remarkable, that leads up to what we now call the first century, even though that first century was not the first century, and it wasn't the first century in which humans lived, it wasn't the first century in which the earth existed, it wasn't the first century in which we've written history, yet we call it the first century, why? Because things align in a certain way that something explosive could happen in those hundred years Mm -hmm. that would initiate a new calendar break. And so what would that be? You know, Paul says that Jesus, that God sent his son in the fullness of time. Mm -hmm. Like almost like he's saying, hey, the time was perfect. (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's like everything had been done to such a way that the time was now that jesus is going to show up well well, what is it that has been aligned in such a perfect way so that the time is now well clearly there's old testament prophecy which predicts a certain window and and daniel actually says that window pretty clearly he talks it's going to be sometime after an edict to restore jerusalem and sometime before the destruction of the temple that ends in around 70 a.d But there are other fuses as well that align an opportunity for something amazing to happen in the first century.
1: Hey, Jim, we got to grab this break. When we come back, I want to talk about some of those other things outside of biblical description that are part of this fuse that point to something big happening with the appearing of Jesus Christ. All right. uh, Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio, person of interest. Our guest is Jay Warner Wallace. We'll take the break and we'll be right back.
0: In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in hell, let's obey
1: this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to say, to long back on Welcome back. This is Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio, and we really do appreciate you listening. I'm Miki.
0: And I'm Will, and that's Anthony Evans with In Christ Alone.
1: You made it. You're just in time to hear our conversation with Jay Warner Wallace, America's foremost cold case detective,
0: mm-hmm. and our
1: brother. Uh, we're discussing his latest book, Person of Interest. And before we went to the break, we were talking about the fuse and the fallout um, in investigating Jesus And I I think we were doing a parallel, like looking at the fuse of um, like a cold case investigation, cold case homicide investigation. And then my question was, what do we have in the way of a fuse that points to um, the impact of Jesus Christ or why he remains significant or a person of interest? And maybe, Jim, you were just about to touch on that
2: right so i think there are three kinds of strands in this fuse the first is that prophetic strand we talked about from the old testament predicting a window about a 400 a year window in which um jesus will probably appear the messiah will appear and so not not even identifying him by name yet but you know that some a Messiah, according to daniel will be should appear before the destruction of the temple which we now know occurs in 70 a.d so when he made the prediction there there was no one they didn't know when the just this destruction of a temple was even coming the point is that's that's the prophecy the window he gives us now there's another window that is provided by a 200 year period of peace in the roman empire called the pax Romana. what's great about the culture that kind of that's a cultural fuse as it's approaching the first century all kinds of key Uh, pieces of technology are being solidified so that the message of Jesus can travel once he appears. And so you'll see that, for example, you don't have, you know, until you have papyrus, any message you write is either stuck in clay or in stone. It's hard to to travel with it. Until you get through pictograms and cuneiform to the actual alphabets that have vowels, (laughs) it's really hard to talk about what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. So by the time you have the Etruscan alphabet, you have the Greek spoken language, you have a 200-year period of peace in which um, uh, the Romans now control uh, the the strongest power in the known world. They now are building an infrastructure of roads. For example, some of these roads that Paul traveled when he was preaching the gospel weren't even available hundreds, you know, 200 years earlier, (laughs) if not for the fact that Rome was spending its money on infrastructure instead Mm -hmm. of on war. So that 200 year period of peace, when you overlap it over the prophetic fuse, it gives you a window. There's a third uh, fuse actually, which is much broader. And that's that, that, that there's all kinds of mythologies and false deities that are worshipped by people groups in antiquity. Tons, you know, Cyrus, Addis, Heracles, you could name all these these, these deities. And if I read, read through all of those deities and I looked for the similarities that were existing in every deity. You, you can't help but notice these anyway. So I identified like 15 broad similarities between the ancient mythologies now these broad similarities are only broad there's not a lot of specific parallels but sometimes you'll hear people say that jesus is a copycat savior he's just another recreation uh, from the mind of humans borrowing from other mythologies Mm -hmm. what you see instead if you really read all the mythologies is not that anyone's borrowing from one to the next as much as it is that there are common expectations (laughs) that ancients have about god and then when they, when they think about God from the mind of a poet or the mind of someone who's a, a religious thinker, these attributes are repeated over and over and over again. Mm. Now, none of these mythologies have, I, I identified 15, but none of these mythologies had more than about 10. And they're always a different 10. None of them have less than about six, but it's always a different six until we get to Jesus of Nazareth. And here he embodies all 15 attributes. All 15 expectations of people who think about God, just as Paul says on Mars Hill, you people are very religious. You're thinking mm, about God. Yes. But I'm here to tell you that there's a real God that we saw with our own eyes. That's different than your stories, which are no one's seen. But, but we actually, we're giving you an eyewitness account. And, and this is the difference between, and, and so Lewis, C.S. Lewis puts it this way. The ancient myths are the uh, myths about God. And he's talking about myth. He uses the word to mean a story about deity not a false claim. Mm-hmm. So he's saying these are myths from the minds of men, given what they knew. And whereas Jesus is the myth from the mind of God grounded in what we call real things. Mm-hmm. So these are these are fiction. This is the truth. But isn't it interesting that Jesus happens to arrive? If you were to track, and I did this on a timeline in the book, you can see it visually in chapter four or five. And if you read it, you'll see that there is a, a, a period of time in which the most ancients are worshiping their deities it closes in the common era but it's still open when jesus arrives right in the middle of it because why because if the expected meets the expectations of the -er, (laughs) expector you get a good response and this is what god is doing he's actually why would you be surprised that that humans designed and created in the image of god when they think about god would happen upon some common similarities Mm. that's what you see Uh, So so if you overlap these three strands and you get a little window of opportunity, it ends up being a window that rides between about 29 BC and about 70 AD. That's when you can meet all of the Pax Romana timeline from the culture, the Daniel prophecy from the prophetic, and even the overlap of worshiping deities from the spiritual fuse. And now in that hundred year period of time, who do you think stands right in the middle? 33 years in and 33 years from the end wow. is Jesus of Nazareth.
1: Oh, this is amazing. Wow. You know, I At couldn't help time. it. Perfect time in the fullness, the of, fullness, time. fullness of time. It's just amazing to think about. Yeah. One of the things I did think about and, and kind of wonder about, and you can tell me if you want to touch on this or not, but as you were describing, even just sort of like um, the, the perfect timing of the appearing of Jesus Christ. And I was thinking about the use of nations by God Uh, Mm -hmm. in antiquity, Mm -hmm. um, even in modernity, thinking about the use of nations, like the rise of nations and the fall of nations. You've got Rome that almost, in a sense, makes the world smaller, right? Like kind of connects all of these different people groups. And I'm wondering if it occurred to you, even as you were writing this and doing such a deep dive, I mean, the research is so obvious in this, Jim, but I'm wondering if you Um, had even a sense of the significance or the importance of the United States of America. I mean, it's so obvious that the Lord has been so Mm -hmm. merciful to our nation that he has um, used this nation uh, for his purposes. I'm wondering if that crossed your mind as you were working on this
2: yes but i'm going to say probably in a negative way okay so oh, remember okay. De- de- detectives are always negative okay? we <laughs> assume the worst in everybody right because that's just how someone's eventually going to go to jail if you assume everyone's telling the truth you're like well i guess there's nothing to investigate here oh, man. but um so the reality of it is you're always assuming the worst but well, here's what i have learned um so you're right do i think that god is using our nation And oh, yes but I'm not necessarily convinced he's using it. Remember, he used, God used the fall, the terrible yes. fall of many nations That's prior right. to our time, to accomplish His His uh, His His ends. Um, so it's it's not as though, um, I'm sure that when the Romans were in charge, they thought we are the capstone of all of civilization. Yeah. We are the culmination of whatever plan the deities might have for us. Wow. Yet clearly they weren't. And it's, it's tempting for us to think something similar now. I, mm. I don't know about you guys, but when I when I travel, I have a hard time sleeping in hotel rooms. Mm. I just never have really been able to do it very well. But one thing that helps me is I listen to a podcast that is available that has a very a kind of soothing voice.
1: Aaron the Addison's. <laughs> oh, I'm there sorry, Jim. I'm sorry. That's not what you but were going to say. it also
2: has no musical bumpers, <laughs> right, because, because music will wake me up, right? And oh, then I won't okay. be all asleep during the music. So <laughs> oh, so I'm, I'm looking kidding. for the go thing ahead. where it's – and here's what it is. It's Jay Vernon McGee. Uh, preaching through every book of the Bible. with And he just, it pops on and, and he just, as soon as he finishes that one podcast, the next one starts, he's still preaching through, you know, Revelation or whatever it is. Wow. It takes, it took him five years to do this project and you could listen to it for years before you hear the same thing twice. Wow. And it's just, I'm sleeping while it's on. And here's what I noticed listening to this guy who was a preacher here in, in Southern California in the early uh, six, like 60s to 70s. He's been dead for years. He does preach about end times. And he's—you'd swear he's talking about today, hmm. because he's—he's he's, he's re- referencing things that—that that, you know this is all pre-Vietnam, some of the stuff he's talking about. Wow! But he—he he can make a case, a strong case for the deterioration of culture. This—he's talking about what's happening in our nation. You'd swear he's talking about—he's—he's he's living with us right now. Mm-hmm. And what that reminds me is that every generation has a tendency to think. That, we're, you know, that the God is coming back in probably any time now. Mm-hmm. And 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 this could have been, I'm sure this was happening at the fall of all these nations. Like the, the, <laughs> the world is coming to an end. Uh, and we all think it is. And so I'm always <laughs> really cautious about saying, you know, do I see signs of end times? Well, yeah, every generation sees the same signs in their generation, even in their local context. Wow yet here we are. God is continuing to use this. So I think this is intentional. God wants us to be living with a sense of watchfulness and yes. preparedness, but he's not going to give us enough information so we can make strong predictions. Because if we did, we would game it. We would, we would game the <laughs> stock market. We'd find a way to abuse that information, right? Because we—that's is who we are. So instead, he's not going to give us that. Uh, he's going to tell us to be watchful and be prayerful. Um, and, and live as though he's coming in the next 15 minutes. Mm, uh, but at the so same time, I'm never impressed with, um, just because if you, if you, if you're absolutely right. If you want read through the history of all these nations, a lot of them have gone through a lot worse. What do you think people were thinking uh, in World War I mm-hmm. or in World War II? I mean i'm sure people were thinking this is and they could probably find their figures that they thought were the antichrist they could probably find parallels and <laughs> revelation and all of the current affairs that were happening yeah. in the years leading up to world war ii and the years leading up to the civil about the civil war we lost more people during the civil war yeah mm-hmm. right and i'm sure they could find all kinds of examples of hey the end is near i'm, I'm like i don't even know if the end is near i don't know i'm not gonna live i'm not gonna i'm not gonna make predictions i'm just gonna live as if every day it could happen tomorrow yeah but I just know that history, um, it, it, God has used nations and, and destroyed nations and, and still used something powerful from that nation to advance history the way he wants it to go. You're, and you're right about one thing, that if you just Google world wars, I mean, wars, human wars, you will see that in, in that period leading up to the Roman Empire, it, it was just there's, there's the hundreds of ancient wars between people groups that have been chronicled, probably a bunch more than no one recorded. And even during the Pax Romana, it wasn't as if there were no wars. There were just, it was a period of relative peace. Yeah. You could say, hey, we're in a period of peace right now. Well, we are, but there are conflicts all over the globe. That's right. That's right. But it's relatively speaking, we're not in a world war situation kind of thing, you know. But so I think in the end, um, uh, you know, God uses all of that. What's interesting about the, the, the leading up to Jesus is that had it not been for that period of peace, the roads would not have gotten built the way they were in Rome. And they connected all the great Persian roads, even to the road, the Silk Road going east to China. The, the network of roads really has made possible. And they made these roads as straight and as wide as possible because you know what they were building them for? Future conflict, future war. Wow. Wo- they needed to move their, their military on these roads for future conflict. And they don't want to make a lot of sharp turns. So they end up building more tunnels and more bridges because they're not going around stuff. <laughs> they're going to go over and through stuff because they couldn't get the machines to turn as quick as they wanted. So so that's what gave Paul uh, a way to get to some of those very cities that you see in the book of Acts that he got to because there were no roads uh, to those cities prior.
1: So, Jim, so all of this then, in light of what you just said, I mean, this really does direct us back to the person of interest. I mean, it, it takes us right back to Jesus and his significance. And I'm wondering at this moment if you can kind of lay out for us um, – big picture, how you have this person, I mean, I think for a Christian, I think I understand why, I hope Mm -hmm. I understand why, but I'm wondering for the person who is not a believer, how do you make sense of Christ, Jesus Christ and his uh, changing time, his being super relevant to the world, even outside of the context of the church?
2: Yes, absolutely. So two things I'm looking for in the fallout, any kind of fallout. Number one is, yeah, is is the fallout significant? Can I trace the fallout back to that suspect? And number two um, will, will the fallout identify the suspect specifically with data? So what you look at, and as an atheist, I would have said that things that matter most to me, I was an artist before I was a police officer. So for, you know, I was in design and architecture. So I, it would have been art, music, literature, education, and science. I think a lot of atheists will find that one of those five things is what animates them. They're, mm. they're, they're high value in the secular world. But it turns out that art, music, literature, education, and science are so deeply indebted to the worldview inaugurated by Jesus, and then and all of his followers who pressed that worldview into reality, that you could not have those five things as you think of them today if it wasn't for Jesus. No one has been written <laughs> wow. about more than Jesus of Nazareth as a historical figure. Nobody, no one. There are Christ figures, even in fiction, where people write based on the broad story of Jesus, the outline of Jesus's life, populate all kinds of fictional stories. I got a whole list in the book. So there, it's just the impact he's had on literature. You can do the uh, Library of Congress or just. Google Books. No one has been written about more than Jesus. No one's been sung about more than Jesus of Nazareth. No one's had an impact on the history and development of music more than Jesus and his followers. No one has been uh, involved in in, in, um uh, educational, the more than uh, uh, Jesus's followers. As a matter of fact, all modern universities, as you and I are thinking of them today, the ancients did educate themselves, but the modern universities that you and I are thinking of come from three planted by Christ followers of Bologna, Paris, and Oxford. No one's been involved in the sciences historically more than in Christians. The entire scientific revolution is largely a movement of Christendom. So there's this, and, by, and from all of these div- different disciplines, you can extract the information about Jesus because these musicians and artists and writers and scientists wrote about Jesus deeply. And you can reconstruct the story of Jesus. You can get more information about Jesus from the fathers of scientific disciplines. Come on. I call these the science fathers than you can get from the church fathers. Wow. That's how much mm. has had an impact on these wow. aspects of the world.
1: I knew we were only going to scratch the surface. And, and I'm okay with that because I'm reading the book. Um, others, <laughs> you got to get the book. The book is Person of Interest. J. Warner Wallace has been our guest. Jim, where can people get the book?
2: Yes, yeah, just go to personofinterestbook.com. Personofinterestbook.com. Thanks so much, both uh, both of you. I really appreciate both of you.
1: We appreciate you, Thank Jim. You. Thank you for your work. All right, we're out of time until tomorrow. Lord willing.
0: God bless.